Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Well, this week on Urban Spelunking, we are in downtown Milwaukee at the Cudahy Tower. This is a really beautiful building inside and out and really represented this this height of luxury. In fact, every single apartment inside of this tower has a lakefront view when it was built back in 1909. And it was built, of course, by Cudahy, who I think, as you, as you know, Bobby, a lot of people associate with the meat business, the bacon, but he was really a, a real estate guy to begin with. In fact, that's kind of what enabled his business to grow. So Cudahy, the real estate man. Yeah, so he you know he comes from uh, uh, from Ireland, comes to Milwaukee, gets going in the meatpacking business, um, and then when he starts his own place down in what is becomes Cudahy, <laughs> coincidentally or not at all, right, right, he starts to buy up all of the land around there and and subdivides it and builds houses that he then so he's got this Cudahy brothers real estate business with his brother um, that's running concurrent with the butchering business and um, so they use these to sell to workers and employees to help keep like a stable workforce and have a happy productive workforce. And that's basically the roots of, of Cudahy. Um, but he also then expands out, and we've talked before about the building that he built on um, South 5th Street in Walker's Point, which is now home to Arts at Large. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which was like a commercial structure that he built as a just as a developer. So, you know, and it had uh, retail places in the first floor. It had offices upstairs providing him with income from all of these people. And, you know, the main anchor business was a butcher shop, which so, so this one business was sort of helping his other <laughs> business at the same time, because you can be sure this guy was selling Patrick Cudahy meats in yeah. his butcher shop, right? Smart strategy. Yeah, but then he also heads downtown, buys up this like absolute prime real estate facing the lakefront between uh, Mason and Prospect and slowly buys up the land up to uh, Wells Street. And he first builds the first part of this in 1909. Um, and he he has it designed by Ferry and Kloss to make sure that everybody has s- some view of the lake. Wow, yeah. Like, like really smart. I mean, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> you know, this is the kind of thing you think of now, like developers doing, like designing it so that everybody gets their view. Um, but he was making sure this was happening in 1909. Um, and the building is so popular and that not only does it endure till now as sort of a luxury building, but uh, in the 1920s, before the Depression starts, he starts building the tower part of the building, which is the north part of the building. Okay. And then that becomes a really desirable residence. And now, you know, a hundred years on, the place is still... I mean, if you look at the listing of the people who live in the apartments in the tower, you'll recognize loads of the names. And when you go to the condo side, which is the 1909 side of the building, there's not even a listing because that's how, you know, they don't even want you to know who lives there. <laughs> a little more exclusive, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Well, coming up in our extended conversation, we're going to go into the sub-basement, Bobby. You found some really cool original architectural details down there. Uh, some of that original terracotta work, which if you look at the outside, it's just so gorgeous. If you slow down and look at those photos from your piece, Bobby, just thinking about the craftsmanship from the early 1900s that went into to making this uh, this look so beautiful from the outside and on the, on the inside. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's stunning to see that terracotta stuff on the outside, but then when you see the pieces that uh, are in the basement, you get a look at sort of the behind, how, how they look from the back, you know what I mean? The, the different code numbers that are carved into them and just the, the methods they use, it's really interesting. So we're going to go inside next on Urban Spelunking. Radio Milwaukee runs on community support 
And thanks to the Lacey Sadoff Foundation, we have a chance to unlock a $10,000 match, funding the podcast you love for a month to come. Double your support today at RadioMilwaukee.org slash donate. All right, Bobby, we are back inside the Cudahy Tower in downtown Milwaukee. And if you look at the terracotta work from the outside, all the details, there's there's faces and and um, just symbols all over the place. It's really incredible. Yeah, I mean, if you stand back and look at the building, it's striking. It's striking in its bright whiteness, <laughs> just just from that. But you got to get closer. And when you get closer, if you look, uh, you stand at the street level and look up, you'll see faces looking down at you that you maybe hadn't noticed before. There's lions' heads uh, running along certain parts of the upper floors. There's, there's just all kinds of uh, decorative little vines in terracotta yeah. growing up the side. And, and uh, actually in the, the recessed entry on the prospect side, if you look around the doorways, if you ever find yourself over there, there's vines that are snaking up the along the side of the building and they're in terracotta, but they're like three-dimensional because they're sort of carved out. So there's like space in and around them. They're not just do you know what I mean? They're, they're yeah, not yeah. just sort of flat two-dimensional. They're three-dimensional uh, vines growing up that look really stunning. And that's got to be the kind of work that that you really, really need a really talented and presumably expensive <laughs> craftsman to make. And, and as you mentioned in the story, a lot of that terracotta work was uh, produced elsewhere and shipped to Milwaukee, right? Yeah, which was common. There were a number of, um, of companies that made terracotta details, uh, and one of them was in Illinois, kind of near Chicago, and a lot of the Milwaukee stuff comes from there. Uh, there was a great book a few years ago by Ben Tajewski about uh, terracotta in Milwaukee, and he goes into the just super in deep on who the manufacturers were. He he managed to figure out which manufacturers uh, provided which terracotta to different Milwaukee buildings. It's really amazing that the amount of research he put into it was just incredible. So this is really two buildings. The original building was built in 1909, and then the tower was added in the 1920s. So the the architectural details change a little bit over that era, and you point out that it's kind of as the architectural taste changed in those uh, 20 or so years. Um, you can see that reflected yeah, in so the Yeah, so the first addition. building was uh, designed by Ferry and Kloss, who were Milwaukee-based architects. They did um, the central library was theirs, you know, uh, Ferry did the Pabst Mansion, Um, you know, so they did, they did a lot of work around town. They're well-known around town. And then the, the later edition was done by a Chicago firm called Holliburton Root, which was very famous, did tons of work all over the Midwest, Um, Chicago, Milwaukee, Kansas City, Des Moines. They were, they were just working everywhere. Um, And there's, yeah, it's a little more, it's a little less uh, heavily ornamented on the outside, but still that striking white. Um, And it's, it's probably the one that people recognize recognize more readily just because it's taller and has like that really sort of distinctive tower with the kind of cap on the top. Um, but if you get up close, the, the 1909 building, it really trumps it in terms of uh, ornate decoration and, and just sort of stunning, creepy faces and, <laughs> and lions and things. You know? <laughs> right. And we're talking, um, this is Mason. Yeah, and so Prospect, it's on Prospect right? running between Mason and Wells, takes up the whole block. And Bacchus, the restaurant, is in there as yep. well on the on the tower side. Yes, correct? and the tower side is the side that has that really beautiful high ceilinged lobby with all the walnut woodwork, the paneling and stuff around it. That's that is the tower side, the newer side. And that contains more than a hundred apartments, right? Yeah, yeah, and there's about a hundred and thirty. 
and 11 floors. On the the older side, the 1909 side, that's condos? How many condos? Yeah, it's condos. I'm not sure how many there are at the moment. Um, but when it was built, it was 78 apartments. But the, I don't think there's anywhere near that anymore, as I think a lot of them ended up getting consolidated into much bigger units. Um, and that side is eight floors. So when you were there, you had a chance to go into the sub-basement. And I feel like whenever you get to go into the sub-basement, you're going to find some some things in there from long ago. Yeah, basements are cool, <laughs> but sub-basements are even better. <laughs> right, yeah, I feel like some of my favorite pictures from your pieces, Bobby, have been from the sub-basement. So what, what was that like going down there, and what did you find? Well, at first we wandered, you know, the person that showed me around said oh you got to see this and it's sort of it looked like a tunnel like when you walk tunnels between buildings and stuff but it, it's just underneath the building it's not actually a, a tunnel and then that it connects anything but it's a tunnel like space that has it's where the city steam pipes come in and and so they're they run down this sort of long narrow and low hallway that looks tunnelish but on the floor underneath some of the pipes there's just like this long row of terracotta that apparently over the years has come off the building and been replaced um, with newer pieces to match the old ones. But fortunately they kept all the old pieces. So they're all down there. Oh, cool. yeah. yeah. So, and it's great because then you can look at one side and see obviously the beautiful sort of shiny glazed, what bright white side with, you know, perhaps it's part of a molding, perhaps it's got a lion's head, whatever. But then you look around the back and you can really see how it's just this basically, uh, you know, terracotta is Italian for cooked earth. <laughs> and that's basically what it is. It looks, I mean, it looks like clay and it's been, been baked and uh, the backs have uh, like serial numbers on them so that they can, obviously they would know which parts go where on the building. And um, yeah, it's like, it's like old school Lego blocks, right? <laughs> yeah. And when I, you know, when I saw that, I started just taking a ton of pictures for the, for the guy I was talking about before Ben, who, who wrote the book about terracotta. Cause I thought he'd be really interested to see all these markings on the back and he might actually know what, what those markings are, um, what they mean. But some of them might be like a mark of the craftsman who des- designed it. Some of them are probably identification numbers. So they know where on the building it goes. Um, but just really interesting to get that kind of peek into this sort of work a day side of this thing that we see every day and we just sort of marvel at its beauty, but you forget that it was actually kind of put together piece by piece by people, right? Yeah, that's such a lovely symbol for what we talk about all the time here on Urban Spelunking is, you know, the part that the that the world sees and then the story beneath the surface, you know, and the and you know, that comes down to the stamping on the back of that terracotta that you found in the sub basement that represents this craftsman from absolutely, which is fabulous, the early 1900s. right? Hundreds, yeah, it's that's yeah. that's what makes this stuff so fascinating. I agree. I was actually looking at uh, my 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 dad just moved and he uncovered his mother's yearbook from right around this same time. Uh, she was nineteen thirteen, I believe, and looking mm-hmm. at that high school yearbook and the penmanship, looking. Just like it did then, you know. And oh, that's amazing, isn't know, it? Where did she go to school? Uh, oh, I Do don't remember? remember, but it was definitely a Milwaukee high school. I got to just page yeah. through it for a sec, but you know, seeing these handwritten notes in, in a yearbook saying like, "Oh, history was a drag," or "Great sitting next to you in geometry." You know, we're talking about the same era, and to see to see that kind of uh, that touch point from something that that's that looks so familiar and is a hundred years old is is just so cool, you know. And that's that's what I think about when I go, especially into like these old school buildings and buildings like that that were sort of inhabited by just thousands and thousands and thousands of people over the years, is I think of the things like you saw in your grandmother's book, you know, like this is a beautiful building, but what really moves you about the place 
you know, isn't the lovely windows. It's the fact that so many people spent such important parts of their lives there in these places. They, they're, they sort of survive in spirit in these places, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And you can check out some really great photos as well from inside. You can actually see inside the sub-basement and see some of those etchings on the uh, the terracotta that we're talking about. That's, of course, in Bobby's complete story at onmilwaukee.com. We've got a link to that, of course, at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts. Podcasts here on 88.9 are produced by Kenny Perez. Handcrafted Sonic Inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from your membership and from On Milwaukee. If you don't already subscribe, make sure you follow us. And, you know, we're at a different Milwaukee building every week here on the podcast. You can really get to know Milwaukee brick by brick with us here on Urban Spelunking. And while you're there as well, while you're subscribing, if you could rate and review the podcast, that helps us out a lot. And by the way, if you're not looking at the photos, definitely look at the photos. Go to Bobby's story. If you're if you're not looking at Bobby's piece, you're really missing a lot of the history here. We always have a You're gonna get a failing grade if you That's don't look right. at the pictures. That's right. There's a test coming. <laughs> you're not gonna pass this class. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've always got a link to Bobby's story in the info box on whatever platform you're listening to. So if you're on Apple Podcasts, just click the little info box, find that link, Spotify, all the other platforms, you can find a link right to Bobby's piece in the info of this episode. All right, Bobby, talk to you next week. Talk to you soon, Nick. Thanks.